It's a day the Lord has made, and we're going to do what? Rejoice and be glad. We've got a lot of folks out sick today, so we'll remember them as we come to this table. Everything that you and I need has been supplied for, supplied by Jesus Christ, and this table represents that. This is not a ritual. It's not a time to eat a piece of cracker and drink some fruit of the vine. This is a time when we reflect and remember that everything we have that's good has come from, Je- from Jesus. And so, as you reflect on that, just slip on up here and get your elements, and then we'll take them together. <clears throat> there are a lot of things that we all need to be renewed to from time to time. And that's one of the reasons that communion was used the way it was in the early church. It's, that word remembrance means to do over. And now we have so much technology, we can do a lot of things over, right? I mean... You had a birthday party six years ago. You can pull up a video and do it over. You know, your child did something in an athletic event or an academic event, and you took a picture of it or somebody's wedding or you had some kind of... You can do those things over, right? You pull it back up, you relive it. That's basically what that Greek word means. It means for us to relive, do it over. Basically is what it means. I'm trying to find a word that I don't need just to do it over. Remember Jesus going down the Via Della Rosa. Remember that cross laid on His back. Remember all those stripes that were put on His back. Remember that crown of thorns that was shoved on His head. Remember the spit that they spit all over Him and the punches and all the things they did to Him. And and they didn't do that because He deserved it. They did it because we deserved it. That should have been our punishment. We should have been the one ridiculed. We should have been the one crucified. But Jesus came and took our place. Amen. He took our place. And so we should relive that. We should remind ourselves of the price that's been paid so you and I could have eternal life, could have all the blessings that God has given us in our lives. Amen. Father, we lift this bread to you this morning uh, because... We know you sent your son to take our place. His body was beaten, torn, pierced, striped, punched, sped on. Everything, that old rugged cross laid on his back after his back had been shredded like hamburger meat. Then they laid the cross on you, Jesus. We reflect on that this morning. We remember that because you were taking our place when all that was going on. And so we celebrate our victory in your sacrifice as we eat this bread in Jesus' name. Lord, we lift this cup. We lift this cup because of the blood that you poured out on Calvary. You didn't spill it. It wasn't an accident. You intentionally and purposefully poured your blood out. It should have been our blood streaming down that day should have been our body nailed to that tree. But you took our place. And we celebrate, Lord, the forgiveness of our sins. We can get to heaven in a lot of different conditions. But we cannot get to heaven without our sins being washed away. And so we celebrate the washing away of our sins from what this cup represents as we drink this fruit of the vine in Jesus' name.
And everybody said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. I sought the Lord and He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. I experienced that three weeks ago. I mean, it's pretty powerful. They looked to Him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out. I want to tell you something. I don't care where your status is at in the natural. We're all going to be in situations where we're poor people. You're going to find yourself in a situation where nobody can help but God. Can you say amen? This poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his trouble. Somebody give the Lord praise for that. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. I think there was at least one angel hanging out in that gas station three weeks ago. I believe that. But we get assigned, if you read the scripture, you get assigned an angel at birth. Some of you trying to run him off, but don't be running him off. And it says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Receiver of divine favor. Amen. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord... Shall, lack, shall not lack any good thing. Man, I love that word. Amen, don't you? Right on down it says, The righteous cry out and the Lord hears. The righteous cries out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. He keeps saying all their troubles. Amen. Say it with me. Some trust chariots and horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord. Give Him praise this morning. Man, He's great, isn't He? If we, amen, if we would just, the devil's pretty good about it, getting us focused on the negative stuff, but if we could think about all the good God's done in our lives. And, and really, if you think about your sins being washed away and forgiven and having eternal life waiting on you and abiding in you, actually, the Bible says, you couldn't stack up all the negative stuff in the world and compare to how good that is. Amen? To be able to live forever. So let's give the Lord some more praise. He's worthy. Amen. Today is uh, Pastor Appreciation Recognition Day, so... I hate to announce that, meaning to be in the pastor. It's kind of weird. But so we got, we got some stuff planned. Forgive me for bringing it up. Uh, <laughs> we got a luncheon planned next door. So Children's Church is going to stay with me for a little bit. I think everybody uh, uh, probably needs to hear what I got to say anyway this morning. So you may be seated. Uh, let me share a few things. I told my, my wife said to me, uh, uh, they've got everything set up over there and there's folks over there working and the nursery's open, though, if you want to take your child over there to the nursery. Um, I, my wife said, you know, uh, this is probably about three months ago. She said, why don't you go get checked out? You know, just, you know, you're kind of past the midway point of your life. And I said, you ought to go get checked out. 
I said, you know what, I'm pro- I, I think I'll do that this fall. That'll be what I'll do this fall. I said, I said but I'm going to start off easy. I'm going to go to the dermatologist first. It didn't start off easy. But I got thoroughly checked out, so I'll be, looks like the dermatologist is going to be the last guy. I'm going to say. So God uh, has a way of doing his own thing. Amen. Uh, you know, I've mentioned this a lot, but it's been a long time since I've preached on this concept. But um, let me show you something before I get into what I want to get into you with. Uh, there is a Greek word, pistis, right? And we get our word that we use a lot around here, which is the main word, pisteo, which is the verb form of faith, right? <clears throat> Most of you are familiar with that if you listen to me at any time at all. But this noun, pistis, here is, is the noun form of faith, what we believing and all that in the New Testament. When you get into the, the mix, and you'll find this in the Old and New Testament, in Hebrew and Greek, you're going to find out that a lot of the things in the Bible, are the base of them are verbs. They require action. Faith without works is... Right, so true faith has action with it. Faith is not a mental recognition of something. Faith is, that's part of it, you're... What your heart has agreed to, what your heart has laid hold of, your mind has agreed to, and you've taken your body and hang, hang it on that concept and live it out, walk it out. That's faith. And so in, in the Greek, there's no allowance for neutral. Is it E before you or vice versa? Okay. I have a hard time spelling English. It's easier. So neutral... Uh, this is busted in the Greek. In other words, like if I take this word pistis, and uh, that's how you spell it in English. If I take that word pistis, and I put an A or an alpha in front of it, then I've put this whole concept in reverse. There's no neutral. You're not allowed to have neutrality with the Greek language here. So you either believe or you don't. No, there's no, I don't know. No, you're, you're either in reverse or you're going forward. And that's how this concept works in the Greek. So faith is an important concept. Why? Because without it, it's impossible to please God. You're not going to please God without faith. And so everything that we do should be built around faith. Everything. We, we should live our lives with faith. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 9. And this is, uh, you've heard me use this concept a lot, but uh, it's probably been several years since I've really preached on it. That's your first lesson. You can have that one for free. And uh, this next one's going to cost you. It's going to cost you your life. You need to hang your life. So this is the Greek word that I'm going to work with this morning. It's tharseo. And I've added some learning to this as I have walked in my journey with the Lord. And this Greek word, and it's the word tharseo, and what you're going to see this word translated as in English, you're going to see it translated as cheer. That's the word you're going to see that's tharseo. So let's look at Matthew chapter 9. Let's look at verse uh, 1. So he got in the boat, crossed over, and came to his own city, Then behold, they brought him a paralytic lying on the bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer. Now there's that word, tharseo. 
Tharseo. said, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you. Now, you've got a guy who's physically impaired, right? And he, he's got needs, right? And, and that's, that's probably what's on everybody's mind. But Jesus goes to his bigger problem, right? He has a bigger problem. I don't care what your physical condition is, financial or whatever. Our biggest problem is our sin. That, that's what's going to keep us from going to heaven and living forever unless we get that taken care of. And that gets taken care of by Jesus. And he proves that here. He says, son, be of good tharseo. Your sins are forgiven you. Now, that's the greatest news that anybody in life could ever hear that your sins are washed away. And I told you I've got a renewed desire to see the lost saved. All this other stuff the church does and gets involved in, you know what? Uh, it, it doesn't really mean a whole lot if we're not reaching the lost and winning the lost. That should be our first priority. I think I told you one of my friends who was in Texas and having a meeting, he was in a hotel room and he had an encounter with a demonic spirit. And the demonic spirit, you know what he said to him? He, he raises grotesque arm and said you you can go to church have your meetings you can prophesy to one another you can do all that he said but he threw his hand up and he said but stay out of my kingdom in other words the devil said y'all go have church and do all you want to do just don't be coming out here where i'm at and stealing the people that belong to me don't be coming out here trying to impact your world stay cooped up in your church and talk to one another and whatever but don't get in my kingdom so we want to we want to disrupt the devil's kingdom can you say amen said, son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. And at once, the scribes got all bent out of shape, right? But he's, what's happening, this word cheer is not the best translation in English because we, when we see that word cheer, we think of people's emotions, right? We, when we say, you need to cheer up or whatever, we're wanting people to get happier, at least on the outside, right? We want them to smile or, or to have a, a different disposition. What, that's not what's happening with this word. When Jesus uses this word, there's a divine impartation taking place. So Jesus is actually saying to this guy, he's imparting courage and strength, forgiveness, all the things that he needs. There's a divine impartation taking place. So when, you, when, when Tharseo is ministered to an individual by the Lord, <coughs> excuse me, by an angel, as you'll see in just a minute, and then from us to each other, right? If you've got the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you've got Christ inside of you, you've got the means to hand off Tharseo. And we see that a lot with the apostles. As they were getting it from Jesus, they were handing it off to others. I remember reading a couple of accounts, one with Paul, I think, and one with Peter both, where they were beaten half to death, put in prison. When they got out, the Bible says they. Now, we're talking about the guys who were beat half to death, locked in stocks and bonds in the Maritime Dungeon in Acts chapter 16. We're talking about those guys, when they got out, they went to where the brethren were, that, were at, and the Bible says they encouraged the brethren. I mean, that's somebody don't feel sorry for themselves, right? They just get up. And, and, and so we can, we can get in a spot to where we can give Tharseo off to others. Instead of joining in into the negativity and the downtrodden and the lack of faith, we should come in with Tharseo, right? Strength, courage, impartation of God's Word is truth, giving off that to others. This same chapter, look over at uh, verse 18. It says, While he spoke these things to them, behold, a ruler came and worshipped him, saying, My daughter just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. 
So Jesus rose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And suddenly, a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years, though most of us are familiar with her, she'd been battling this disease for 12 years, came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. Now see, that's faith. That's faith. She didn't have to get in front of him. She just knew. That's the kind of faith she had. She just knew if she could touch his garment, right? But, uh, so she touched the hem of his garment, for she said to herself, If only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. She knew who she was dealing with, right? Do you know who you're dealing with? Do you really know who you're dealing with? You're not dealing with Santa Claus. You're not dealing with some guru. You're dealing with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen? You're dealing with the great physician. You're dealing with the way maker. You're dealing with the one that's risen from the dead to eternal life. You're dealing with the one that is imparted inside of you eternal life. And so he turns, he says, well, Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, Be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. There's that word again, tharseo. He used that. So he's divinely imparting strength on into her. This woman had faith. She had so much faith. Listen now. Jesus, we don't even see where Jesus is involved in this until the, after the fact, right? She went in, touched his garment, and that faith that it's impossible to please God with unless you have, she drew that health out of him. She drew that healing out of him. And he turns to her and says to her, he says, Your faith has made you well. He says, Be of good Tharsale, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. She'd been sick for 12 years. Not, nothing going on, right? I think, I think maybe another passage talks about how she spent all of her money trying to find help. And so she's sick this long, and Jesus, she just reached out and touched, draws this healing out of him, and, she, and he turns around and gives her so much power and strength to stand up and go on. She's probably still afraid to the degree once he turns to address her. But when he turns to address her, she puts Tharseo in him, in her. Or he puts it in her. Let's go to Mark chapter 6. This is another place. I'm going to show you all the places in the Bible this is used. In Mark chapter 6, Jesus talks about this. Or There's another example of it here. In Mark chapter 6, <clears throat> verse 50. Let's look at verse, let's start with verse 45. It says, Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida. And while he sent the multitude away, and when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. Then he saw them straining and rowing, for the wind was against them. Now, Jesus uh, put his disciples in the boat. Notice that. He put them in this situation. He, he allowed this to come about. He made his disciples get into the boat. Now, do you know who controls the weather? The same one that made them get in the boat. Do you know who sent them over there in the middle of this storm? Jesus. We can't fathom sometimes that a storm might be God's will in our life. But without rain, nothing grows. You know that? And storms bring rain. And so we, sometimes it's hard for us to fathom that there could be storms in our lives. But God sometimes uh, orchestrates our lives to take us through that storm. We learn things about God and we learn to trust Him more in the middle of storms than we do when everything's 
going our way. And I was renewed to that fact again just this last three weeks. How God is working ahead of us. How He goes around the corner before we get there. And I'm going to say some stuff here that might be hard for you to chew on, but you need to chew on it. We are not self-sufficient. And if you think you are, you're deceived. That's pride. That's something God got more out of me of in the last month. We're not self-sufficient. If you think you're going to make it without somebody else, you're deceived. I'm talking to everybody that's hearing my voice. That's not God how He set this up. God set us up as a family. He made a family. That's what God's doing. He's making a family. And I met some of my family I had never met before three weeks ago. I met a Catholic nurse who was trying to put Tharseo in me every way she could. Who was my sister. I had a surgeon who was in love with Jesus Christ who was trying to put Tharseo in me every moment, every time she'd come by my room. People who I didn't know were my brothers and sisters. People I didn't know I needed. People I didn't know I even had a relationship with, but they're part of the body of Christ. We are not self-sufficient. You are not self-sufficient. If you think you're going to get through life as a lone ranger, God will bring you to a place where you will see that that's not real. God didn't set you up to be a lone ranger or me either one. That's pride is what that is. And all that stuff's got to come out of us. And God, God has been, He got more pride out of me in the last three weeks because we're not self-made people. You may be good at what you do. You may work hard. And all those things are commandments of the Lord. But you know what? Paul said, which one of you have anything you didn't receive? That's what Paul said. He said, which one among us have something we didn't receive? Not a single one of us. You and I couldn't be good at anything if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit. We couldn't receive anything if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit. We wouldn't move one inch in this life if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit. If God didn't open doors, we couldn't open them on our own. We, we do a lot of things and take a lot of credit to ourselves when it's God doing it. God is going before us. He's going around the corner. I ask you a few questions. Uh, if we're not self-sufficient, if we're not going to be Lone Rangers, what are you going to do with all that stuff God gave you? Huh? He gave it to you. What are you going to do with all that money God's given you? He's the one's given it to you. What are you going to do with all that talent that God's given you? What are you going to do with all the time that God's given you? What are you going to do with all the resources that God's given you? You're going to store them up for against that day? Read about what happens to the people who store up against that day. They ain't no storing for tomorrow. Let me just tell you something that's very clear. Once they flip us over to uh, internet currency, we're all under their thumb and authority. They'll be able to control everything we do. Now, I don't know if we're going to be here when that happens, but that day's coming. Once that day happens, they'll be able to control every facet of our lives. Now, I know that the rapture it can be the, the thing that eclipses all that, and I'm praying for the Lord to come. The Bible tells us to pray for the Lord to return. But I want to ask you something. If you're storing up against the day, whatever that means, you need to go to the, book, the end of the book and read about what happens to people who store up against the day. 
If you really want to be fertile and if you really want God on your side, you need to keep sowing and reaping the whole time you're here. That's what we're called to do. We plant, we water, we sow and we reap. We don't, we don't hoard, we don't store up against things. that We, we trust the Lord because none of us have the promise of tomorrow. And nowhere is that any clearer than what happened to me in the last three, three weeks. I could, have, I could have died in that gas station, in the naturals, looking at it, right? We know God's in charge. I knew He was in charge. And He introduced me to more of His family, to more of my family, I should say. He let me know a, a little bit clearer that He's in charge. He let me know a little bit more that I'm not self-sufficient that I'm dependent on Him, and sometimes I'm dependent on part of His body, some of my brothers and sisters, just like we all are. That, and when we get to the point to where we think we're, we're making our own way, that's pride. And God has a way of stripping pride out of us. And God, that's the first thing He dealt with, right? When Satan, that's what was wrong with Satan, he had pride inside of him. And sometimes we have to be careful that we don't allow that to get in us. You and, all, <coughs> you and I, uh, you who are thinking that you don't need anyone, are deceived. If you think you can get by life without the rest of God's family, you're deceived. I had a woman I visited one time. She said, I think you can be a Christian without going to church. I said, that may be possible. And God may give grace to people who are in situations where they can't go to church. I understand that. I said, but I don't know anybody like that. And I was looking right at her. Because she wasn't serving the Lord with any faithfulness. You and I need one another. And I got renewed to that fact. And you all gathering up here to pray. Melanie needs us right now. She needs us on our post. She needs us going after the devil. She needs us doing the warfare that we're called to do. She needs us to pray and lift her up. That we all, we need one another. And her and John, I, I talked to John yesterday afternoon, yesterday evening for a little bit, and John's putting Tharseo in me. And uh, we need it. We need to put Tharseo. Do not live your life estranged from the rest of this body. You may be called to put Tharseo on somebody. Somebody said, I don't like to talk. Well, get over it. Amen. You were given a voice box and a tongue. Get over it. Amen. You run your mouth at ball games and... When you're out everywhere else. Come on now. Use your voice to glorify God. Tell the people about His goodness. Hand off some Tharseo to your weary brothers and sisters. Be timely. Be ready. Don't just get in your schedule and forget the Holy Spirit wants to take you somewhere else some days. Be real with God. So you and I need each other. Can you say amen? amen. We're, we're not going to... God designed us to have brothers and sisters. That's what He called all of us. The Bible says... The Bible didn't say they'll know you're my disciples by your theology, did He? Just didn't say that. He didn't say they'll know, my, they'll know you're my disciples by the kind of buildings you have. He didn't say that either. Jesus said they'll know you're my disciples by your love for one another. And when you love one another, you'll go out of the way for one another. You'll take time for one another. You'll pray Last night before I went to sleep, most of my prayer time was spent praying specifically for individuals that I knew who were lost. I, I want to see the lost saved. I don't want anybody. If, if it's not God's will that any would perish, then I want to fall in line with that. 
He said, God is not slack concerning His promises. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any would perish, but that all would come under repentance. If that's God's heart, I want that to be my heart. I don't want to just blow off people who are lost. I want to pray for them. I want, I, want, I want to lift their name before the Lord. And that's what Cornelius did in the Bible. He would lift prayers and would build a memorial before God. Now let's go to uh, John chapter 16. Another place where this word is used. John chapter 16. In John chapter 16, somebody took John out of my Bible. I found it. Verse 30, verse 25. John, these things I've spoken to you in the figurative language. Now, there's another place in Matthew 14, 27 that's the same as uh, the ship thing. That's why I didn't go there, but it's also used in Matthew 14, 27. It says, these things I've spoken to you. Now, I want everybody to pay attention to what he's saying to us here. Spoken to you in a figurative language, but the time is coming when I will no longer speak with you in figurative language, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I shall pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me. That's how you get favor with the Father. And have believed that I came forth from God, and I know that all of us believe that. I came forth from the Father and have come to the world. Again, I leave the world and go unto the Father. His disciples said to him, See now, you speak plain, you're speaking plainly. And using no figure of speech, now we are sure. We are sure that you know all things and have no need that anyone should question you. By this we believe that you came forth from God. Now watch what happens here. Jesus answered them, Do you now, now believe me? Do you now believe? Indeed, the hour is coming, yes, has now come, that you will be scattered, each to his own, and will leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. Now, this happened to these disciples and, and, and a lot of the believers. We're there again. We're, we're coming back to a place to where Christianity, is. they're trying to push it out as far as they can, get rid of it blame it we're there we're we're in a similar situation not hardly in this country as aggressive of martyrdom and stuff that's happening in other places in the world but we're moving toward that he says these things i've spoken to you he says you're going to be scattered and yet i'm not alone because i'm my father is with me these things i've spoken to you that in me you may have peace now jesus didn't say we would have peace in the world in our circumstances that's not what he said at all. He said, in me you'll have peace. And my wife can tell you I'm talking crazy now. In some regards, the way the world would view crazy. But I tell you, coming through this has caused me to just... This world and its stuff, its money. Man, I, I just don't... It's just not appealing to me. Stuff in this world. I'd rather lead people to Christ... I'd rather help the orphans. Things are changing inside of me, and I'm glad. I don't want to be caught up in this world. I don't want to be putting my trust and confidence in chariots and horses and things like that. He says, These things I spoke to you that you may have peace peace in the world. You will have tribulation. So there's a guarantee. You're guaranteed to have tribulation in the world. Do I think the devil was out there in Amarillo? Yeah, he was. He was trying to get me to bite my tongue off. 
I think that was the devil. At least that was the devil. Trying to get me to bite my tongue off. And he says, But be of good cheer. There that word is. Jesus is using it again. Be of good tharseo. I have overcome the world. Somebody give the Lord praise right there. Now, what we want to hear in the flesh is we want to hear say, you follow me and you're not going to have any trouble. That's what we'd like to hear, right? You follow me and there won't be any, tri- there won't be any tribulation. You do what I say. You act like I tell you to act. You do what I say. There won't be any tribulation. That's not what he said. He said, you're going to have tribulation. Tell your neighbor, say, you're going to have some trouble. Go ahead and tell them. You're going to have some tribulation. And I know I'm not the only one that's had trouble. I, I've been your pastor for a lot of years now, and I've been with some of you. You've had the same kind of trouble I have, maybe a different form, but you've had plenty of trouble. So we're going to have trouble. But boy, the good Tharseo is that divine impartation of the strength and courage and truth that comes from Jesus. Here's what he ends on. He says, but you be of good Tharseo because I have overcome the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, you're in a hostile world. I'm in a hostile world. We get persecuted. We face tribulations. We face trials and things like that. But we got good news because Jesus, remember that song we sing, if he come out of that grave, I'm coming too. If he's been victorious and triumphant, you and I are going to be victorious and triumphant. Can you say amen? amen? Now let's go to Acts 23, one more place where this word's used. Six times it's used. Once it's used in the same passage, just in a different gospel, like I said. In Acts 23, let's go to verse, let's see, where do I want to pick up? Verse 10. So Paul's on this uh, ship, excuse me, Paul's in the middle of of, a battle between the Pharisees and Sadducees. And when there arose a great dissension, the commander, fearing lest Paul might be pulled in pieces by them, commanded the soldiers to go down and take him by force from among them and bring him into the barracks. So there, there's a big dispute. Paul's caused another ruckus because he's standing for God's word and it's caused division because some of them are believing, some of them. And so he's kind of rescuing him. God uses this guy to get him out of that situation. So that's again what I want to point out to you. You know, I, I love it when God does stuff supernatural. And there's a lot of supernatural things that go on that lead to natural things. Sometimes they work together. But God may use your brother and sister to help you in a situation. Can you say amen? amen. He may give them a word. He may, they may come by and drop something off in your lap that you need to hear, even in the physical realm or something you need. God is able to do that. Now look what happens. But the following night, the Lord stood by him and said, The Lord comes by. Not in the natural, but in the supernatural, and says, Be of good cheer. It's talking to Paul, right? Tharseo. He is God, Jesus is so good about imparting strength and courage to us. We should get good at it with others, as our brothers and sisters. He says, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness at Rome. So God puts courage and strength in him. We look at Paul like a superman in the spirit realm. But he was a natural man like the rest of us. He needed strength. He needed encouragement. He needed this divine impartation. Now, I want to tell you something before I close. I'm going to close right here. When I was in Texas, 
I knew who was in charge, but I still needed some people around me that would put some, some tharseo in me, right? When you're stuck 17 hours from home, you're faced with the first situation. you got to remember, I've never been in a hospital in my life. And here I lay in the hospital. First, they're thinking I've got uh, neuro problems. And then after the, about the third day, they start identifying the heart issue. Uh, I'm in a situation where people are coming in and out of my room. I don't know anybody. But I know the Lord, and I'm trying to hang on to the Lord, and I'm waiting on a word from God. And so the, this, the first two nights, three nights, however long it was, this Catholic sister of mine that I didn't know was my sister just started coming in every night, doing her thing. But the whole time she was in there, she was just dropping Tharseo in me. She was just trying to, she kept saying to me, man, she said, I believe the Lord brought you here. She acted a little bit like a mother would, you're right? She was just trying to mother me a little bit. And she just kept trying to put Tharseo in me. Every shift she came into my room, she kept putting Tharseo into me. And then when, the, when they turned me over to the surgeon, the surgeon, first thing she did before we talked about surgery, she come in to try the Christian blood. She started trying to put some Tharsel. They knew I was in a, a, a different situation. They knew that I was away from home and had nothing familiar around me or nothing like that. And so, but the Holy Spirit was working through them. And then my surgeon said, I'm blocking out time. She said, I'm going to give you till the very morning of the surgery to give me an answer. She said, I know you're 17 hours from home. She said, and I know you may want to go home. She said, but I believe God's brought you here. And I would be honored that she was going. I, she, but she was that kind to me. She said, I'm going to block off time for you Tuesday morning. And you don't even have to tell me till Tuesday morning. And I, that's when I told her, I said, well, I'm just waiting to hear from God. I, I've built my whole life on hearing from God. Well, about 3 o'clock in the morning, on Tuesday morning, I heard from God. And I got that first dose of Tharseo from him. He took me to 1 Peter, and he gave me a, a verse, and I tell you, it, just, it just, just consumed me. And I knew that was the first Tharseo from the Lord himself preparing me. And then the next morning, I asked my wife if it was Yom Kippur, and it was, and I, I knew that was my next confirmation because that's total redemption, right? And then the surgeon came in with a word from God with some more Tharseo. That's what we need, see? We, it's just that Tharseo was, enabled me to get to a point where I could just step right on into my faith in a foreign land around nobody I knew and to receive God's will in my life at that moment. And today I stand before you realizing more than I ever have how I'm not self-sufficient, how I'm not totally making my own way at all, and how much it's good to know that God's got some family members everywhere we trod our feet. You know, Elijah got to the place, he said, I, uh, he told the Lord, says, just me and you, Lord. It's all, we're the only ones left. <laughs> and God said, hey, now hold on. He said, I've got 7,000 other Guys that haven't bowed a knee or kissed the, prophet, kissed the false god. I had no idea that anybody in Amarillo served Jesus. I thought they just did the two-step and wore cowboy boots and <laughs> cowboy hat. You could have knocked me off with a feather when I had not only two Christians pouring into me, but two Christians that I knew were hearing from God.
and was pouring that into me. We need each other. Now, if you're getting filled with the Word, the body of Christ needs you. And the body of Christ is more than what's in this building right here. And the lost, they need to hear us. They need to know that we care. They need to know that we love them. Amen. You guys can come to the instruments. I want you to receive the Tharseo of the Lord. Let's stand to our feet. I want you to receive the Tharseo of the Lord. And then I want you to be sensitive and learn how to give it away. This strength, this courage, the strength and the courage of the Lord that comes through His Word. Now we've got some things we're going to do uh, today here in just a few moments. One of the things we're going to do is we're going to pray over Melanie here in just a few moments. John's here and Drew's here. I mean, their, their faithfulness never ceases to amaze me. The Sean's family's probably been through more this year than any of us with a couple of deaths and, uh, and then all that Melanie's going through. So we're going to pray for them. We're going to recognize uh, some pastoral stuff here in just a moment. But before we do all that, I want you to just bow your heads with me and I want you to realize how important it is for you and I as a part of the body of Christ. God brought us in here together. He made us a family. And I have seen that clear just with you all even of how wonderful of a family He's been putting together here. And He's not through with that. <clears throat> so I just want you to realize that we all need Christ. We need the Holy Spirit. And we need each other. And that they're going to know we're his disciples by how we love one another. So God, we come before you right now. And we got a lot of folks this morning that are sick and under the weather. A lot of sickness going around. We just pray for their speedy recovery. We, we rebuke all these sicknesses, Lord. And we pray for all those that are under the weather that they'll be made well. We know you're able to do far above what we can think or ask. But Lord, the first thing we need out of us is our pride. Any pride that thinks we're all that or all this, that we're making things happen. Lord, only you can make things happen. You open doors and you close doors. So as we worship him here just for a moment or two, this altar's open. Whatever you need, will you come and pray?